Adelante. Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Yes. We originate from and connect the gateway city to what is going on regionally, nationally, and internationally. Top of the day to you, Mark. Uh, oh, top of the day to you. It's, <laughs> I don't know if that's the way to do it. Yeah, You're yeah. trying to be a, uh, an Irishman is or Scottish Scottishman? I know. The president's in Ireland, Scotland, Ireland. somewhere over Ireland? Ireland? Is that where it is? Mm-hmm. One of those lands I'm, I'm hearing that the folks in England are, are a little upset with him. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's going to the coronation, but he is going to go to Scotland. So they were some folks mm-hmm. I know from England. Or he's doing some genealogical research. Doing a, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I try to stay out of the you never politics. Know. I know. You never know. I know you don't. You well, know. we're going to we're going to skip our return to civility today because I found my lost book, but I left it at home. <laughs> my dog ate it. My, my dog had eaten my return to civility book, okay. and you've seen that. I and you know our dog since deceased. And it's it's true though. He did. It, it, he, he did eat he, it. He, he he became very civil after that. Yeah, he got. Did he <laughs> really? <laughs> he uh, he ate them words. Oh my goodness! Gosh, yeah. He he got a good good chomp or two into it. Yeah. He did. All right. Ed Wheatley is our guest, and Ed's been on the show. Was this your fourth time, Ed? Probably, but, I mean, you know, sports is what the city's about. You talk about all that civilly culture. You know, the city gets its teeth kicked in so much about politics, <laughs> racial issues, this and that. But the one thing you always want to feel good about and is really true and what we should really be waving our flag is – we're the best sports city in America. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. we are. Absolutely, I, I we think, are. Abs- yeah. And Ed's written what's this? Six books six, now. Yes. And you have another one coming out soon. Yes. <laughs> and I, what's uh, that one going to be called? St. Louis Cardinals. Everything you need to know. And wow. that's history. what that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. And Ed's a uh, he's an Emmy Award winner. Mm-hmm. He's uh, done a lot of things for uh, PBS. Yeah. Now. Nine PBS. Nine PBS. Right. It, all my books and where we win the awards and recognition is through the, the, the use of photos and the concepts. And this, I was asked to do this book, you know, you're always reluctant to do a book about the Cardinals because there's been so many written. Right. You know, what stick do you have right. that's different than everybody else? Incredible Cardinals was, right. who's the guys on the left field wall? We have to remember, these are the legends mm-hmm. that made the Cardinals the greatest team in the National League and the second greatest team in Major League Baseball. So this one, what was the stick? You just don't want to tell the history, but you want to take, get young readers indoctrinated in a way. And it turns out that the, the, the older fans are going to love this just as much. But we started that as, as, the, as a touch point. You know, we loaded it up about you know whether these championships. We didn't do it as a chronological history. Right. We took it in different kind of bites to attract. This is the topic, like the special moments, the championships. Who are the greatest? Infielders, who are the greatest outfielders, who's the greatest pitchers, catchers, mm-hmm. managers, and then the whole story, you know, who, who are the announcers that uh, right. made St. Louis baseball so wonderful and great. And it's it's the approach, and it's just filled with picture after pictures of things in, in a certain way, you know, they kind of blow up and mm-hmm. set back. And the, the best thing of it is the memorabilia. I mean, there, there's about five or 600 special items of memorabilia in there. And, and I know you love memorabilia, oh, and we're yeah. going to talk about that a little later when yeah. we talk about the St. Louis Browns and right. that particular uh, 
project that's going right. on at the Eugene Fieldhouse. That's correct. But th- this book, I really like the way you laid it out. Um, mm-hmm. It it really flows well. Mm-hmm. It talks about the origin of the team, right. and then it goes into like some stadiums and the owners and stadiums, right. and then uh, how the teams progressed. And we would you, if you briefly go over that story? I think you've told it once about how we actually got the Cardinals because there were what three professional teams here prior to that. Well, you know, it is, it is, I think we were talking about that when we did the sports memories. There were actually four Major League Baseball teams in St. Louis, just like there were four NFL teams, two NHL. The Blues weren't the first NHL, right. and we had two NBA teams. Hmm. There had been a National League team which was formed in 1876. There was a team that was placed in St. Louis in that first year called the uh, Brown Stockings. Um, you know, people went by the color of their hats and the piping and their socks. Um, and then they lasted two years and were kicked out of the National League for betting and gambling and fixing issues. And uh, go figure. Yeah, well, that was really big and prominent yeah. in those days, and you know right. would, would culminate in the World Series uh, a couple decades later. But then there was a uh, second National League team that came in in 1884 called the Maroons, and they had to compete against Chris Vonderai, a, a, a beer salesman, tavern owner, just down on Grand hmm. Avenue. Um, he heard about, he was German, he heard about this love of this game of baseball, and he bought a team, and they played in the American Association. They took the name Brown Stockings as well, and they were good. And in the 1880s, they played from 1882 to 1892. They, they were the premier team in the American Association. They, they won four championships. And at that time, the American Association would play the National League because the American League won't come until 1901. It won't be formed until then. But the American Association and the National League would play each other in an end-of-the-season world championship, mm-hmm. a la what would be the World Series later on. And the, and the St. Louis Brown Stockings are the only team to ever beat a National League team. Well, the Maroons, who had the National League put in there to compete against these Brown Stockings, um, they just couldn't hold up to the American Association team. I mean, first of all, the American Association team played on Sundays. National League didn't. And secondly, the American Association allowed liquor, beer. Right, right. And, well, what are you going to go? And they played a more fast-paced game. <laughs> so, you know, the Maroons collapsed after two years. And then finally, in 1892, the uh, uh, National League said, hey, if we can't beat them, let them join. So they brought them in as the Browns, they shortened the Brown Stocking name to be the Browns. That team wore the Browns moniker until 1898. They changed their name with new ownership in 1899 to the Perfectos. And then they changed their uniforms to that lovely shade of Cardinal Red. And hereafter, so from 1892, under the moniker the Browns, which is like a, a cat with nine lives in St. Louis baseball right, because exactly. all these teams have this, this name. But that's where, that's where the... Uh, Heritage of the St. Louis Cardinals started in 1892. But it's really interesting. We all went in, in 1992 to all these 100th anniversary events. They all wore 100th anniversary patches and everything was, right. you know, McDonald's came out with this greatest 100th anniversary team and all this. Now, if you look, the Cardinals are using the 1882 date of the, the development of the American Association uh-huh. team. So we're, I don't want to say we're rewriting history, but I mean, if you look in baseball <laughs> reference, I mean, last year, inducted into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. They brought in Charles Kaminsky, who was part of those great 1880 right. teams. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of like we're, re- we're redoing it and using 1882 as the, as the benchmark. You know, it's, that was 
another one, Comiskey, as you know, I knew Comiskey Park. <clears throat> right, the same and, guy. And how many really famous baseball people oh, yeah. actually had some kind of mm-hmm. roots or influence here. Like Cy Young. Cy Young. I didn't know Cy Young played in St. Louis yeah, at all for a St. Louis team. Right. It was interesting. See, when I spoke a moment ago about changing your name to the Perfectos and that, mm-hmm. um, Chris Vonder I had, had brought the team from the American Association into the National League. And uh, shortly after the 1910 area, he was he, he'd overspent. His, he was trying to make – Sportsman's Park, Fairgrounds Park, to be like Coney Island. He was spending all his money. He finally went bankrupt. And the Robesons brothers and you uh, bought the team. And they also owned the uh, team from over in Cleveland, the Spiders. And what they did was they had the two teams, and they said, we're going to put all the best players from the Spiders in St. Louis, and we'll put the lesser players in Cleveland – that's how Cy Young came. He came from Cleveland to St. Louis and, and pitched here two years. But the Cleveland team that they put all the, the rummies on, I guess you would say, owns the record for the worst baseball team record in the major leagues. <laughs> Love so, it. I mean, there's just – you know, that's what you said. The beauty of baseball in St. Louis, as well as the other sports, but baseball all these touch points, these tentacles, whether it's players right. or tentacles to, like, the Cleveland Spiders, how they mm-hmm. become the worst team in Major League Baseball because all the good right. ones went to St. Louis. Right. Oh, you know, I think about uh, – obviously, we know about Joe Garagiola, but Yogi, yeah. Yogi, Yogi. Berra. And, uh, uh, oh, my gosh, it goes on. We were talking before about Jerry Royce. Jerry Royce, Carlton. And, and Carlton. I and mean, there's 500 wins right there. Right, and how wow. they just got shipped out. And yeah. we just kind of, like, what What do you think? We had Gibson, it would have been Carlton on that team, and Nelson Gibson, Bryles. Nelly Bryles. I mean, right. you know, those are all forgotten names, but that's why it's good to write books and bring back memories, make mm-hmm. movies. It's, you know, it is special. And, you know, it's just St. Louis, you know, from the one book I wrote about uh, baseball in St. Louis, the leagues, the major leagues. I mean, we have such a rich history. The Cory yeah. Leagues were created here in St. Right. Louis in 1934. Right. So right. all the Little Leagues, everybody played right. here in St. Louis and in all the other states hap- came from here. Right. You know, there were the periods in the late 40s and early 50s, more men played in the major league from one St. Louis high school mm-hmm. than any other high school in the country. It was Beaumont. Beaumont right. was the baseball factory. And was your dad played at Beaumont? Yes, he did. But, you know, the story was, see, Beaumont sits where Robeson Field was, where the Cardinals uh, played. The okay, Browns right. played at Sportsman's Park. Right, right, right. right. And it was the oldest um, and last wooden grandstand structure in the major leagues in 1920, and it kept catching on fire because in those days men smoked cigars like crazy, and they just put them down, and the wooden stands would uh, burn down. <laughs> and eventually, when it burned down, Branch Rickey, who had left the Browns and went to the Cardinals, he uh, – came up with the genius idea of not moving the Cardinals, because Cardinals were very bad. They were generally the last-place team in, in those early years in the National League. Branch Rickey talks the Browns into, hey, you know, you're not a good businessman because your place is empty half the time. We'll fill it up. So he did, the Cardinals don't have to um, take care stadium. of a minor league. I mean, a stadium, they invest in the minor leagues for the fir- as the first to do it, and then, you know, wins up with pennants in 26, 28, 30, right. 31, 34, 42, 43, 44, 46. That's a mouthful. So, so Ed, when, when did uh, Anheuser? When did Augie Bush, or Anheuser Bush? When did they take over? They, they came in in uh, the, the late. Well, it was really in late '52, and they they bought uh, the Cardinals. See what Bill Veck came and bought the Browns in 1951. 
He had owned the Cleveland Indians and actually took them to the World Series in 48. But he had to get rid of the team because he had a little nasty divorce problem. <laughs> but he came to St. Louis in July 51 because he saw the perfect storm. Hmm. The Cardinals, all those string of pennants right. I spoke of, all those players right. were aging out. Fred Sy, the owner mm-hmm. of the Cardinals, was going to jail for tax evasion over an issue that he and <laughs> Sam Braden had uh, worked. They were trying to build a new stadium. Right. Uh, and there were some misappropriations that took place. So they were basically, the, the Cardinals were headed to Houston. But just like Chris Vonderai uh-huh. a decade earlier, I mean, a century earlier, had said, I can make a lot of money with this baseball game thing coming to town. Hmm. Augie Bush said, I can make a lot of money if I own a baseball team. So right. he bought the Cardinals. And, you know, that's when Bill Vex, you know, he did his little shenanigans with Eddie Goodell, grandstand manager mm-hmm. tonight. He had turning baseball against him, but he also knew he could not compete against Augie Bush. Now, now I had also heard that, uh, and this could be just a wives' tale or something, but the uh, name of the stadium. Uh, <laughs> Sportsman's Park? Our Bush Beer, our, our yeah. Bush, Bush Stadium. Yeah. There was no Bush Beer when it was well, named Bush Stadium. Well, okay, what, so when our, the Browns leave and all that, the Browns always own Sportsman's Park. Right. So when. Gussie Bush comes, buys the Cardinal, he buys, he's going to buy the stadium. And he said, I'm going to name it uh, Budweiser Park. Right. Major League Baseball says, no, there cannot be any association with alcohol, liquor. Well, you think about that today. I mean, we right. got gambling. We got alcohol right. naming these naming rights. Right. And Augie says, okay, just name it after me. Six months later, guess what the new beer was? Bush. Bush. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So it was the the name of the stadium came first. Yes. And, which is interesting. Based on his name, and that's then they gr- created that just to say. It's a great say, story. Thanks for telling me. You don't, you don't mess with Augie Bush, right? No, no. Yeah. That's no, a no. great bit that, of trivia. Yeah, it is it great trivia. What came first, the, the beer or the stadium? Yeah. It's the, the, st- man. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, man. There you go. Right. Okay. We're talking to Ed Wheatley about his latest book, The St. Louis Cardinals, Everything You Need to Know. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. And when you go through these positions and you mm-hmm. highlight certain players mm-hmm. and uh, you know you give enough snapshot that I think if people want to really dig in and get back and find out about it, that particular player they can yeah. and you go through the entire you know History. who is really kind of the best at that position you pick out everyone I I found the managers were very interesting oh yeah I, you know wasn't that a shock when you read that paragraph the St. Louis Cardinals you know with all these pennants won by the Cardinals they have had the most managers yeah. in all of Major League Baseball history. I mean, really? surprising. You know, that book and a lot of these, you, when you, you know you're doing something pretty good when you're doing your research and you go, holy cow, you feel like Harry Carey, right? Yeah. right. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> that was a holy cow moment when all of a sudden I started reading all these, and it's like, wonder how many, who has the most? It's the Cardinals who have had the most managers in the entire wow. franchise history than any other, any other team. But, I mean, there were some characters and, you know, the – the issues and the battles between ownership uh-huh. and um, managers. Johnny Keene, which right. we're all familiar oh with goodness, in 1964. Right. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, when uh, Gussie Bush uh, wasn't liking the team, and he's, he's going to hire Leo DeRocher after, as soon as the season's over. And right. oh, all of wow. a sudden, the Cardinals take off and win the pennant. And, you know, and everybody's loving Johnny Keene. And, you know, he says, basically, to heck with you, Augie. I'm going to the Yankees. Or probably my, my favorite one. <laughs> And this is a – he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time, Rogers Harnsby. Right. He takes the Cardinals to their first ever pennant and World Series championship in 26. Hmm. They get rid of him as soon as the season's over, traded him to New York for Frankie Frisch. Um, 
he doesn't last. You know, he go, he only lasts there a year. Then he goes to Boston. He lasts only lasts a year. Then he goes to Chicago. Mm-hmm. He lasted two years. In the second year, they fired him halfway through the season, and the Cubs wound up, wound up winning the pennant. But the players don't even vote him a share of um, the. Yeah, I found that was very interesting. Yeah, he, it was just his personality. He couldn't get along with anybody, right. and nobody was as good as him. And he expected them to all be as good as him. But taking it back to the manager thing, I mean, he even kicked Sam Braden, the owner of the Cardinals, out of the clubhouse one day, tell him to get out of this is my clubhouse. You know, and Sam Braden was like in his mind saying, uh, "This is my team, therefore my stadium, my clubhouse." Right. Uh, right. <laughs> You're going to go as soon as this is over. Yeah, he must have been a, a real pill to deal with, well, especially if the players don't vote him his share of winning <laughs> yeah, the World wow. Series. Yeah, pie, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, he was he was a, a very interesting individual, great ball player. You can't take anything right. away from him. Oh but yeah, man, is a person uh, was a loner. Didn't yeah, you know, bad bedside manner. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> his, right. his cleats were too sharp yeah, or something. Some, so cha- changes to the game. Yeah, you go into a section about that, about how the game has changed, and even just recently, it's just been uh, crazy. I mean, yeah, you know, there, there's so many. You know, basically, the game has kind of really always been the same, and we go through changes of you know, like gloves and uh, uniforms. You know, one of the things I always like to, I love showing you know these pictures, and we get a lot of awards for you know the books containing some pictures. Like you know, we got some like Rogers Hornsby gloves and some of these real early ones right. there's no lacing between the fingers they're <laughs> right. just like big fat winter gloves and the, you know the old <laughs> saying use two hands you had to use two uh, hands yeah. because the, the hand with the glove really just stopped the ball and you had to put your hand on it to hold it in the glove <laughs> right there weren't pockets and then the evolution of, of that but i mean you know getting to the dh finally in the national league or when it came to the american league uh you know in the in the style of play you know re- remember and this is what you know they they really talk about how do you bring baseball back? Maybe this will help this year some of these changes. But think about what Lou Brock and all the base mm-hmm. stealing. And then you know we went to Vince Coleman and Willie McGee. I mean right. that is the action that you know it's not just sit there and wait back right. for the home run. It's they're on first base and everybody's going Lou 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 go. You right. know right. and he did and set all those records. I mean that was almost those um, seasons in the seventies and then again in the eighties and eighty five when Vince Coleman came. In. That was almost as exciting as when Mark McGuire had his home Absolutely. run chase. It was those base-stealing chases of Ty Cobb and Maury Wills and things. Oh, yeah. You know, the folks, the, this book, if you've been around, you know, I'm born and raised St. Louis, and Mark, you have been too, and you would think you would know enough about the Cardinals. This is a great introductory book, or for somebody who's been here and knows Cardinal baseball, it's a great a companion to your knowledge. Is that my and, copy right there? Uh, <laughs> yes, right, right here on my phone here. Oh, okay. And it's it's just a wonderful book, folks, and I really encourage you to get it. It's available at Reedy Press. Reedy Pre- any store, Reedy Press, online, uh, mortar bookstores, you can get it everywhere. And uh-huh. I, I call it a trigger book. A lot of these books I, mm. I write, I call them trigger books because it triggers a memory. That's yeah. right. I remember that now. Like when we were talking about, you know, how Augie Bush, you know, lost 500 wins between Carlton and Jerry Royce simply because he wouldn't pay Carlton $5,000 more and he wouldn't let uh, Royce have his mustache and kept hollering, get rid of that mustache. And mm-hmm. uh, people forget it. And you were like, who's that? Jerry Royce. As soon as you hear it, that trigger, you know, right. pops. Right. And, you know, how many people will read the book, and I got the uh, section in there about 
late season 1982. I, I vividly remember this Sunday. Out, I was working in the yard, you know, the and radio's going on the patio, and all of a sudden, Brummer's on third base, you know, and then yeah, yep. Shannon's call of Glenn oh. Brummer stealing home. Right. I mean, my God, I thought Shannon was going to go out of the press box. <laughs> Guy's never stolen a base in his career. What's he do? <laughs> he steals slow, home. Slow as a turtle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, when I call about moments, yeah, you know, we have special moments in, in you know, in the past few years, you know, with David Freeze and, you know, Albert, I mean, you know, um, and, and this is good stuff because, you know, I, I go and talk into a lot of schools. They have me come and talk, and I sit with elementary kids and also high school and different courses, and I talk about, you know, the, what's so special about sports in St. Louis, baseball, whatever. Mm-hmm. Think about last fall. You're in the grocery store, person in front, you know, putting their – they got all their stuff on the conveyor belt, and it's going to ring it up. Person t- you've never met, seen before, turns around and says – you think Albert's going to get one tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sports, and especially baseball, yep. turns total strangers to kind of a friendship of talking about. Brings people together. It does. I mean, you know. Right, right. Otherwise, if there's no sports talk, you're just looking straight. You, you don't yeah. give people an eye to eye. But yeah. boy, right. right? You know. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and we and that's what these memories. You're going to come back, and you know. Um, I got a, a section in there. You know, kind of the the, the wackos. Maybe uh, it's not. That's not the title. I can't remember exactly what that. Second, but where you know Dizzy Dean, <laughs> the oh yeah, in like the thirty-four the World Series with his big sousaphone and yes, all that, yes. and then we get Bob Euchre in the sixty-four World Series with the tuba <laughs> out in center catching field balls. during batting practice, <laughs> <laughs> catching balls with the tuba. I mean, that's the kind of uh, uh, fun and mm-hmm. special memories. It's just not all hey, I threw pitches, he hit a home runs, you know. Yeah, the, uh, you have some comments of uh, Bob Euchre in the book, <laughs> and it's and it's like people don't know this, but I helped the Cardinals win the pennant in '64. I came down with hepatitis. The trainer injected me with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. And, and he was he was just a jokester, but he, you know he, was he a could good play. Ball player. He yeah. was a good defensive catcher. He, he yeah. was a adequate hitter, but. Um, Good de- I mean, you, you talk about he's a good defensive catcher. They said, how did you catch the knuckleball from the Necro, Necro down in, up in Milwaukee at that time? And then Barney Schultz here in St. Louis? All right. It was easy. You just let it quit rolling and you picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> he was a pistol. Of course. That's why not. <laughs> why didn't I think of that? And, folks, I'm going to bait you with this. We're going to go to break in a minute here. But you have to go get this book just to hear and read the story about the, the birds on the bat uniform. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to let Ed say any more about that because you're going to have to get the book to find out. I got yeah. I got a shirt on with the birds on the bat. Yeah, and yeah. where did that come from? And then there was the problem. The birds weren't on the bat. Just the bat? Without the uh, birds? You'll have to find out from the, the book. It's called By the Book. By the, <laughs> yeah. by the book. It's, and that book is the St. Louis Cardinals Everything You Need to Know by Ed Wheatley, who's our guest. We're going to come back and talk to him about a couple other events that he has coming up April 27th. And he also has an event about the St. Louis Browns that's going on right now at the Eugene Fieldhouse Museum. So we'll be right back. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. You're listening to the U.S. Radio Network. This 
This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dredscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune. At St. Louis In Tune, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories, as well as interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. We cover a wide range of topics, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports, and that's just to name a few. While St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we also connect to what's going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis In Tune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There you'll find the show notes and everything that was mentioned in that episode and all the other great episodes as well. And if you've got an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, well, just let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis In Tune. It's heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great radio stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website, again, is stlintune.com. Visit us today. That's stlintune.com. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We're talking with Ed Wheatley, who is discussing with us his latest book, The St. Louis Cardinals, Everything You Need to Know. And if you think you know it all about the St. Louis Cardinals, you don't. And you need to get this book. It's available at Reedy Press and other fine bookstores. And, Ed, as we were off air and you were talking about how you structured this book, mm-hmm. and uh, could you go into that a little bit? Because uh, sometimes our off, off-air discussions we're like, no, we need to stop. We need to do this yeah, on the air. Right. Well, I mean, there's been, you know, first of all, there's so many books written about the Cardinals every year or whatever. And, you know, to do it, if you're going to do it, you want to stand out. You want to be one that's well-received. So you got to do it a little differently, not like them all. And like I said, uh, it's loaded with a lot of memorabilia, special mm-hmm. memorabilia mm-hmm. things. I mean, you know, it's a lot of autograph stuff because right. as, a, as a baseball fan, you want to see those autographs. You, right. wanna, you know, like the famous Enos Slaughter slide in the, in the Mad Dash in the 46 World Series, you know, he signed it. Ray Pardee, the catcher, has signed it. Marty Marion on deck has signed it. The oh, umpire wow. has signed it. So I got all those guys, you know, and to me that's better than a uh, that's cool. a plain photo because that's the moment. Right. And these are the people within that moment. So right. you throughout this, whether it's Dizzy Dean or Rogers Hornsby, you'll see a lot of things that are – um, pieces of memorabilia and that, but it, you know, we took it in a direction that 
jumps at people. Like, you know, and there's things to highlight. You know, we talk about championships because – and that comes after how did they how the Cardinals evolve, which we spoke of earlier. Mm-hmm. And we talk about memorable moments because there's – you know, the Cardinals have such memorable moments. And, you know, there's been many former major leaguers. I remember talking to Andy Bennis when he, when he first got here. It was in 96. And he was like, it's amazing. You, you, no, I played at the Padres. They have nothing like this, you right. know. And so you, you create those special moments, bring them out. And then you get into who were, as we spoke, all these great infielders, outfielders, great catchers. We need to know the Cardinals had some great catchers besides Jotty, you know. And, right. And, you know, then the owners, the managers. And there were some things, you know, another fair. We talked about the managers, more managers than, than any other team in, in the major league history. You know the the, um, uh, the Cardinals have had more MVPs than any other uh, team in history. Really? Now, more MVP awards have been given to Yankees, but m- several of them got multiple uh, MVP awards. But as far as individuals, and that's what I, I got a story about, enlist them all. Right, you do. Who's got the most gold gloves? Right. The Cardinals. Wow. I mean, you go back into these years, and I kind of segregated the gold gloves into, you know, all the, the, the pennant winning and playoff mm-hmm. teams, and you just, you know, the only team to have, what, five, and, you know, create a new gold glove mm-hmm. utility guy last year, Brendan Donovan gets it. But, I mean, right. the history of the gold gloves when they first, you know, came out in 57. Well, the gold glove infield of 64. 50, 63. 63, okay. 63, the all-star game infield. Those yes. guys were crazy. They, they were. And, I mean, you know. But, it, you know, it really goes back, and you, you really – that's – when you start seeing things like that, and you get into, you know, the Cy Youngs, and, you know, I, I have a, a, a section called Award Season, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the honor roll. And you really realize how great these guys are. And just the number of men in the Hall of Fame, like, like we spoke earlier. Right, right. Who would ever – if you weren't really – savvy and deep into sports and maybe as a kid i was just too deep reading anything and everything i would get was uh cy young is was a cardinal right you know and um so many of these other men also spent some time in st louis as uh, over the years and you know the rookies of the year we had you know we also had probably a general manager that wasn't great because he kept trading away everybody but stan musial and he tried trading stan musial and all he said no <laughs> which is crazy um, yeah but that was a deal with the right. phillies that was on the table but you know you had back-to-back uh rookies of the year and he got rid of them right away and we're talking triple about crown winners yeah roger well, hornsby twice right you know wow. hornsby would win it and uh it's 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 just one thing after the other. I mean, this, you know, people would say, well, you got to go write one about some of these teams. You know, it would be hard because this right. history that we have here is so special, and the fan base. I mean, you can't write a history of the Cardinals without talking about the announcers because they are the men who taught this great fan base. They made it special. They made it real. And as we sit here with in the studio with these pictures of Harry Carey behind us. I always use him as an example. When he came and got the Cardinal job, he went to the management and says, you know, you're not doing it right. You have to paint the picture. Mm -hmm. Paint the picture. And now this is all different because this was before television. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, when you talk to McLaughlin and and, and John, you know, it's like, well, you know, people are seeing it. You can't be redundant. But think before television, the guy sitting on his patio – and he's just listening to the ball game. You could you could ride your bike around everywhere because mm-hmm. the ball game was 
in everybody's house right. going exactly. and there was no air conditioning. You always knew the score. But anyway, right. how Harry Carey would come in, pitcher takes the rubber, looks in, gets the sign. Mm-hmm. Here's the windup, the stretch, the pitch, and then whatever happened. But, I mean, it's like you're there. You're there. Right. You're picturing it whether you're sitting in your backyard or you're sitting – in the grandstands. Or like I was under the sheets for the night game because I wasn't supposed to be up and listening to my transistor radio with, a, with, with my earbud. Earplug. Yeah, I mean, that was everybody's thing. Right. That uh, <laughs> It's amazing how long that took mothers to realize there was a such thing as an earplug to a transistor radio. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. I, it, it, they really did paint a picture. I think John Rooney is the closest yes. that I've heard I since agree with uh, Harry Carey Harry that, that really paints that picture. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that is the thing. You know, some may say we've had a couple announcers that, you know, two or three pitches go by and, you know, no. you've lost it because yeah. there's other talk. But that's partly the change of our society and right. demands. But, you know, love them or like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry was so – he painted pictures. He did. And, you know, and there she goes, way right. back. It might be. Right. It could be, yeah. you know. And giving you stats yes. about how that – particular ball player was doing yeah, errors right. or you know how many doubles singles mm-hmm. what their batting average was you right know, gave a, a lot of information and, about and that. you know and, and not only that as we were speaking again off air this was going throughout the south and everything west of the mississippi right yeah. you know led by the, and, and and the cardinals had multiple radio stations over their history and there were times they had multiple in this season that multiple uh Networks covered it, but what KMOX would go out to California, would go out throughout the Deep South and Southwest, which also then, because these are the heroes that fans were listening Mm -hmm. to all the time, Mm -hmm. they would come to St. Louis for vacation to see these men, and it just that's where I think baseball in St. Louis is just. You know, it's it's hard to compete with. You it know, is. I'm sure, if, but Boston likes to claim things, or Man. Philadelphia would say this or that. The Yankees in New York, but it's special. It's it, it's a religion. Um, we had our we had our holiday uh, two weeks ago with opening day, <laughs> yeah. national holiday. Ed, and, I know. Um, don't you, Ed? Don't you think that it's everybody should be off work that day? I think so. I do. I really. Well, do. I also think in this town for sure. Uh, you know, when I honestly when I worked downtown, <laughs> I would look out. I think. Before I went over to the games, I mean, they were all down there early in the morning. I think everybody was off work. You know? <laughs> I know. It should be a holiday in St. Louis, though, the way folks it, treat it, it. It should be. It really is a big deal for mm-hmm. us. I mean, it's constantly been a big deal for us in St. Louis. Ed, would you talk about your event on April the 27th, please? Okay, yeah, April 27th, I'm partnering with the uh, uh, Missouri History Museum. Uh, and the book I wrote, St. Louis Sports uh, special moments and memories from America's mm-hmm. greatest town, sports right. town. Because St. Louis is the, the best sports town. And, you know, like I said, we've got a diverse <laughs> history against all the sports. So much of things in sports were created here. You know, four of the greatest um, trophy championships are named after St. Louisans and originated mm-hmm. here. The Walker Cup, the Sinkfield Cup. Wow. Uh, the Davis Cup wow. and the Herman Cup, you know, right. uh, all these things and the men and the women. So what we're going to do, I put it simply that, hey, I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. I've talked about the book. You, li- you like the book? Come hear it from the people who are a part of this story. I mean, you know, St. Louis was the bowling capital of the world. I got Ray Bluth 
uh, the last surviving member of Team Budweiser in the bowling when bowling was big in the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. and 70s, and it all centered out of St. Louis right. with the Team Budweiser, and they would ABC had their Saturday and Sunday bowling shows. Right. Ray Bluth will be there telling stories about that. Justina Brick at the Golden Girls of St. Louis. Tennis, St. Louis. Oh, I forgot tennis about the Golden Girls. Was the hub of tennis. St. Louis was, mm-hmm. and it was all out of the armory where Jimmy Connors, Chuck McKinley, Butch Buckhold, really? the three Golden Girls, really? Arthur Ash. Arthur Ash. Now he's somebody. Yeah. He could not play against whites or indoors in the winter in Richmond, Virginia. So he left. And where did he come? St. Louis, which isn't the most northern city, right? No. But it was because the armory and the way it was constructed, mm-hmm. the floors and the varnish they did it, and the way it was patterned, right? They all said it was so. Fa- it made their game so special. And how many grand slams had been made mm-hmm. by St. Louis? So Justina Bricka and some of the Golden Girls will be there. Wow! We got we wow. were the professional capital. Of, uh, we were the capital of professional wrestling. Oh. Sam Muchnick is acting. Oh, Cowboy no. Bob Orton's going to be really? there. Really? Cut yeah. it out. I love and it. And then we're going to come in, and we got uh, you know football history. I mean, you know, baseball's going on now. So we got I got from the football <laughs> Cardinals. We got Jackie Smith, oh, Hall wow. of Famer. Yeah. Mel 81. Gray. Yeah. And uh, from wow. the, one of the greats from the University of Missouri and the football Cardinals, Johnny Rowland. Oh, yeah. Crazy. We've got, Number we've 23. Got, uh, soccer. I mean, when you look at this, I got about 10 Hall of Famers going to be there. Uh, we got from soccer, we got Al Trost. We got Lindsey Kennedy, who was the first woman to ever play in the MISL. Wow. Um, and, wow. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got Keyholes coming. We've got all these people. It's free. Uh, the activities start in the Grand Hall at 5 o'clock. There's going to be a lot of interactive thing. Meet these athletes. There will be book signings and things. And then at 6.30 to uh, 8, we'll go down and just we're going to have panel discussions. Like I said, you know, my books have talked about it. I've talked about it. Mm-hmm. I want them to tell their stories oh, yeah. of what it means from St. Louis. And it's Saturday? Saturday? It, it's, it's Thursday, Thursday. April 27th. Oh, from, uh, it opens up at 5. The, the Grand Hall stuff goes from 5 to 6.30 and then 6.30. To eight o'clock, we're going to have this panel discussion on stage. Everything's free. Show up. There, there, uh, there's drinks and food mm-hmm. made available at the museum. It's a Thursday, the twenty seventh. Yes, it's part of their special Thursdays. And like I said, the best part of it is it's free. And how many, how many times can you sit in the audience with about ten Hall of Famers? Oh, never. I can't nope. imagine. And then nope. you can interact with them uh, before and after. Right. Oh, how fun! Can and you- you've got another big event going on right now at yeah. the. Uh, Eugene Fieldhouse on the St. Louis Browns, and you yes. are like the president yes, of the St. Louis Browns uh, uh, Historical Society right. and Fan Club. And a couple things. I mean, one of my, you know, wrote the book on St. Louis Browns and um, became picked as the best book published on baseball, led to those Emmy Award winning movies for PBS. And I've always wanted to put something. Now, the Cardinals have a, a seg- section in their Hall of Fame on. The Browns, mainly around Eddie Goodell, because right. Eddie Goodell's uniform is Bill DeWitt Jr.'s uniform. Okay. When he was Bat Boy, his dad was the uh, oh, wow. president of the of the of the Browns oh, and uh, yeah. borrowed his uniform so Eddie Goodell could fit in something. But uh, <laughs> so they're they're great partners. Wow. And I actually talked to Bill and the people at the Cardinals about, hey, I have an opportunity to put this thing about the Browns. Mm-hmm. And what happened also was on. Uh, Christmas Eve last year, when it was 20 below zero and everything, the pipes burst in the house, Eugene Field House. Oh. It kind of flooded and shut it down, and all this restoration has to take place right. in there. But just adjacent to it, with a, they are connected by a hallway. They've got this beautiful museum. Right. And so we worked out something saying, look, I've always wanted to do this. I want to keep your, your, your 
legacy alive. I want to keep your brand in front of the public by bringing people here. They can't tour the house right. because it's being restored. I'll fill this museum. If three million people can go across the street, we'll get thousands in here to, and keep your brand and mm-hmm. financial help going. So they said, go for it. We've got two unbelievable uh, galleries loaded with um, 750 to roughly 1,000, and we may get some more because I was talking to the Hall of Fame at Cooperstown, and they want to get involved and say, well, let's oh, cool. go through what we could loan also to you. But we've got wow. – when I say there's you know, that many hundreds of things, we're talking – people's i mean the actual authentic you know like at the game used bats of mm-hmm. the 1922 browns which were one of the greatest teams we got yeah. a lot of the players uniforms wow. through the history we got the things about eddie goodell the little mm-hmm. three foot seven inch guy taking bet uh coming to bad grandstand manager night uh satchel page right and before satchel were hank thompson and willard brown the third and fourth african-americans to join the major leagues but right. the browns were the first team to have two Right. In nineteen forty July nineteen forty seven. Two to start too, right? Two to start. Right. They played out there and they were the only like two two together playing for, you know, years and it was seven years before the Cardinals would have Tom Alston in nineteen fifty four. And I always you know, I just gotta shake my head. I was taught Boston was the cradle of liberty, the beacon on the hill in American history in eighth grade, but it took them twelve years, nineteen fifty nine mm-hmm. to put Pumpsy Green on the on the on the field. Wow. So we have this I mean, and people have been through it. We had a grand opening party the other night. It's going to run through the end of October. Ah. If, 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 if Even if you, you want to learn about the Browns, this is the place. Mm-hmm. You love baseball, this is the place. Because all these you know things from 1902 to 1953, they're there. We got all the VEC things. We got the 1944 World Series. We got a lot of stuff from the World Series where the Cardinals and Browns played here. Cardinals didn't get respect. I mean, the Browns didn't get respect. They finally win a pennant, right? Right. right. Who they got? Do they get the limelight of the whole city? No, they got to share it with the Cardinals. So we tell that story, and it's just one thing after the other, um, and it's it's down um, on Broadway. Uh-huh. It's just on the southeast corner of Bush Stadium. You right. come out the southeast side, or on your way to the stadium before a game. Uh-huh. You know, go and see it. You will learn and love. Uh, your love of baseball will be fulfilled, and it's it's a great part of history. And mm-hmm. you correct me if I'm wrong on this, because didn't the St. Louis Browns come from Milwaukee? Milwaukee, and they it, were the Milwaukee Brewers. That at is that correct. Time. In, in 1901, the American League was formed, and there was a team in Milwaukee called the Milwaukee Brewers. But St. Louis was the fourth largest town in, in America at that time. Right. And Ben Johnson, who was the president of um, the American League. He made some adjustments, so in 1902, he moved the Milwaukee Brewers to St. Louis, um, and they became the Browns, took the same moniker that had been used by so many other teams. And then a year later, he took the Baltimore Orioles, who play in this interesting history. He moved them to New York as the Highlanders, and then a few years later, they changed their name to the Yankees. So the Yankees heritage started in in uh baltimore but Mm -hmm. unfortunately you know baltimore just doesn't recognize the browns legacy and that's a question that i had for you do you know why that is it it, is it kind of like why the los angeles rams don't really have to acknowledge that they spent some time in st louis or what's the deal well i i I think there's more personality issues with the rams Yeah, what what, yeah. what it really what yeah. it is about Baltimore? We've been up there. We've talked to them. I get on the radio in Baltimore and I tell all these stories like we're doing, and people are going, 
huh? Right. You know? <laughs> what um, do you mean? Yeah. So when the Yank, when when Ban Johnson moved the Baltimore Orioles to New York, mm-hmm. what happened was uh, a preeminent minor league team developed and took the name Baltimore Orioles and played in Baltimore. I mean, Babe Ruth, John McGraw, they all all these great um, hmm. ball players get their start in for this heritage of this Baltimore Orioles minor league club. Interesting. And that's what they choose to really rally around and, and support. And, you know, they, well, the Browns, they were losers. You know, but we don't want that, even though they lost a lot when they got there. But, um, you know, the big quote that I always use is by uh, the Orioles press release that uh, the St. Louis Browns died. They were buried in St. Louis. Their legacy did not come east. Mm. I mean, I still have that almost framed hmm. uh, hanging some, but it, it, it's, 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 it's the truth. I mean, they just don't, and, it, and, it's, and it's bad. I mean, we had one of the greatest men to ever play the game in George Sisler, and there's no statue of Sisler in Baltimore. And I give Bill DeWitt uh, Jr. credit, well, the third too, that the DeWitts put a statue of uh, George Sisler there amongst all the hmm. other Cardinals, and they put in cool Papa Bell there too. So, right. I mean, you find a team in baseball that – Honors two players that didn't play on their team. That's right. not named Jackie Robinson, but um, that that is something special. But you go to Oakland, they they got all the pennants flying from uh, when they were when Connie Mack. No, no, actually Philadelphia when Connie Mack oh, okay. had all those pennants he won in the in the thirties. Wow! And you know you go to Atlanta, right? And their heritage is Milwaukee, Milwaukee and right. Boston, right? And you know you go to uh, you know even you go up to Minnesota. They have a big thing display in the in the Twins' new stadium about the Washington Senators because they moved right. from Washington uh, to Minnesota. Is that the same way, like with the San Francisco Giants, the New York yeah. Giants, and the L.A. Dodgers? And yeah, Brooklyn you go Dodgers. out to the uh, Dodger Stadium has all this stuff about the Brooklyn Dodgers and you know the '55 World Series team and Campanella and Pee Wee Reese and all these men. They they herald it, but you know the Orioles just don't and. That's a shame. It is a shame, but yet on the other hand, we kind of like it because we got something special here that nobody does. I mean, you know, that's true. I just got called uh, from a somebody was writing a, a newspaper article from New York. Yeah, you know, our luncheons we still get about four hundred people every year at the MAC for our annual Browns reunion luncheon. You know, we on August tenth mm. we've have a deal with the Gateway Grizzlies, which are just across the river. Right. You know, it started when we moved because we used their stadium to kind of make it right. look like Sportsman's Park. We had the locker room and all this with all these authentic jerseys that are now and pants and uh-huh. uniforms that are now down in the museum. But and they said, "What is this? This is something special." Yeah. So we started doing a thing where we have a bobblehead of one of the p- best players I pick, and then we dress the uh, Grizzlies as the Browns of that year. So I picked George Sisler, the first ever MVP in baseball. So they're dressing as 1922 Browns. And I always put the Senators in the visitors just because nobody sees it. And I right. like their uniform. And then we did Roy Seavers, first ever American League Rookie of the Year in 49. So they wore 49 uniforms. Um, then we did uh, Don Larson, who was a rookie with the Browns, and he always would be here for us. Oh, seriously. Wow. And as he says, if there wasn't for a Browns, there wouldn't be a Don Larson. They gave me the chance. <laughs> you know, and then he made it famous in New York, right. but he would come right. every year. I'd get there, hey, Eddie, when's that lunch? When's hey, that? I'm hey, hey. <laughs> and, and he would come. That's and how he talked. Yeah. 
you want to sit around all night and tell listen you don't tell stories you listen to stories <laughs> don larson's talking about being a yankee in new york or yeah. out on in hollywood with you know because of his fame and then uh last year i worked a long time with the satchel page family to prove mm. you know what we're doing for the Browns. Look at our resume Mm -hmm. and all the things I've done for your father in the spotlight. So we had Satchel Paige last year. Oh, wow. You know, so we dressed as a 1951 uniforms, the year he came to the uh, Browns. This year, August 10th, and we fill the stadium. The stadium is full of people wearing Browns hats, Browns T-shirts, uniforms. Um, We're doing Marty Marion. Okay. Now, people remember, hey, Marty Marion was a great Cardinal. Yes, he was. He was the MVP in 1944. But he was also the last manager of the St. Louis Browns 70 seasons ago. So he came over in uh, 52 and 53 with the Browns, player, manager, and then just mainly managed. But I just thought to 70th anniversary, how fitting is that? And we've got a beautiful bobblehead of Marion. Oh, wow. And he's in a uh, away uniform. There's a famous picture of him standing on the steps of the dugout, his Mm -hmm. arms crossed, leaning on his knee. And it's, he's got the away, which says St. Louis in script. It's, mm. it's a beautiful uniform, beautiful bobblehead. Um, and like I said, you know, we, when you show up for a 4 o'clock game, uh, at 4 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game in a minor league stadium, mm-hmm. and they're already wrapped around the stadium to get in line wow, for Browns that's night. big deal. It is a big deal. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very proud that, you know, we keep that memory. And we also keep minor league baseball alive over there. Well, we're proud to have you on the show and count you as a friend of St. Louis in June. Always always here. And uh, we've been talking to Ed Wheatley about several things, his new book, The St. Louis Cardinals, Everything You Need to Know, from Reedy Press and other places. There's a sports memory event on April the 27th, beginning at 5 o'clock, and that's at the... History Museum in Forest Park. Okay. And it is open to the public. It is free. And there will be 10 Hall of Famers there from different sports. And then also Ed has a great display of the St. Louis Browns down at the Eugene Field House down on Broadway, which is just kind of south of the stadium. And you need to get down. That's going to be there through the end of October. So great great things going on Mm -hmm. here in St. Louis with with, uh, baseball. And I'm glad that you have – got this fire within you to just kind of keep this stuff going and keep us informed about all this stuff because this you you never seem to know anybody never seems to know enough about the details of all these things and it's just all the little intricacies that but, you can you know uncover. And, it, and, and the thing i found it's not just the people who watch the browns or you know the old cardinals like for the browns it's hey why did my grandpa what was this team my grandpa or my father you always mm. see him in a browns hat or what was all this about or right. you know a moment ago when I threw out the Golden Girls, you go, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't be forgotten. No, they, they were shouldn't. great. How many yeah. Grand Slams right. were they in in, in, mm-hmm. in one? Or, you know, that one of the Golden Girls, Carol Hanks Allcamp mm-hmm. and Arthur oh, Ashe, yeah. were the first interracial mixed doubles at Wimbledon. Oh, wow. Crazy. And you know what is the best part? When you go interview these people, they got their dining rooms full of memorabilia. Mm. You're like a kid in a candy Aww. store. Oh, this is my medals from Wimbledon. Here's my Reitman <laughs> Trump Kofi <laughs> yeah. trophy that – I, I won the, for the United States because Justina had the last match, and it was whoever wins this mm-hmm. match, it's England or the United States. You know, she won it for our country. Wow. I mean, it's, it's you know, and Ray Bluth, bless his heart, you know, the, the farmer bowler, but his dining room is full of all these scrapbooks and everything wow. and pictures, and we're going through them, and then all of a sudden he goes, oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, what the heck? What is it? And he yeah. jumps out of the, and he goes running down the hall. 
They come say, I, I didn't bring out my uniform. Here's oh. my Budweiser's uniform. Oh, my. Remember how they, they wore yeah. like jumpsuits when yeah. they bowled yeah. on, uh-huh. on bowling uh, oh, that's on ABC? Right. Oh, that's right. They yeah. did those jumpsuits. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's not right. only are we bringing back the memories mm-hmm. for us as fans, we're putting these athletes back in the spotlight. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's like, you know, Al Trost in soccer, Johnny mm-hmm. Rowland, Mel Gray, Jackie Smith. And that's important. Yeah, cool. it is. We need heroes. Yes, we yes, do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Desperately. <laughs> that's true. Well, we're grateful. You're our hero because <laughs> you got all this stuff going on here, and it keeps us uh, interested and involved in what's going on in sports in St. Louis. So now, you, you, you learn something. All the, are you still learning things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, mean, you know, those hairy carrying moments. Holy cow. I mean, I yeah. got a couple of – I always got two or three projects going at the same yeah. time. And always learning. And, and I'm learning and reliving. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see the pride in people. Yeah, when you they react. Just sitting in here and watching your face light up. I know a, a thing we we mentioned, <laughs> or something. I will say if we got time, you know, how many people have come to me and said thank you because yeah. I had the one story about the the the. I was at a party and a guy comes to me and says you the Browns guy. I was like what? <laughs> yeah. I said I I guess I gotta tell you something. And all of a sudden his eyes are watering. Oh. His wife comes oh. over and says, "Is that him?" And I'm thinking, what oh the hell did I do? Uh-oh. You're and, the one. <laughs> and she's starting to tear. Oh. And then the people standing around me are like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, she's going, my dad's got Alzheimer's and has had dementia. Oh. And this is a public service announcement here. And he said, you know, he sits in a home. I go visit him. We watch me TV. And we don't really talk or anything. You don't know what to buy him for Christmas or that, you know, shirts. What, what do you, you know, you yeah. I got him your Browns book. Mm. His eyes burst when he saw the cover. Oh. And he started opening. He started picking pictures and telling oh. stories of these people. Wow. And I've talked to doctors about this. And mm. he said, my dad, I've never had conversations like him. It's like we're back 15 year, 10 years ago having these kid discussions, like even when I was a kid about baseball players. And when I go over there, he does it all the time. He said, wow. I can't thank you. Yeah, he may not know I'm his son, but you gave me my dad back, you know. Wow. And and that is the. It, I mean, you ask me what I keep doing it. That's, that's the why, stuff. Yeah. And I tell people, if you have someone you know in our society because we're living longer and are getting just dementia, find these things from their past. Right. Right. And you, they may not remember that you know you came in the door, but you will have something that mm-hmm. triggers and comes back, and it's special. Yeah. I love you. That's great. Yeah. That's great. We've been talking to Ed Wheatley. Folks, you need to get to those things. We'll post this once we uh, have this broadcast. So, Wow. Uh, wow. You had to end it like that, didn't you, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> Just pulling on my heartstrings. Well, it, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very sweet. That's very tender. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting past I can actually talk about it yeah. without breaking up on, right. on, right. on well, live. You got me, got me going. I remember we the did. first I time I told uh, yeah. Marianne Carson, we run live on PBS, and she she brought it up. Tell me that story. And I was like, oh, oh, no, don't make me tell it. No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yeah, it had to be told. Yeah. Ed, thanks for coming. Thank in you. Again. Good to see Always you again. Always talk to you in the next book. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's all for this hour, folks. We thank you for listening. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, they need to learn about baseball and sports in St. Louis. But there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Lucian Tune co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine.